this old friend of mine, Helen. My best friend. My friend called and invited me to try Alpha. Y recuerdo que mi papá me dijo, mira, hay comida gratis, ve. They handed me a invitation. It was just a random invitation. And I said like, why not? Why not? Let's try it. Why not? Let's go. And I found like a like a really awesome community of people. They helped me find who I was just by listening. Alpha helped me in the knowing of God. Empecé a entender que el amor es de muchas maneras. I just knew. I was a different person from that moment on. I knew I had purpose. I, I felt really comfortable in like starting to invite my friends. I've seen Alpha really impact people that I work with. I would definitely encourage people to get involved. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It all turned out to be life-changing. All right, good morning, Denver United. Love being a part of this church. I love this church and just the community aspect. I'll be at community dinner tonight. Hopefully we'll meet some of you. Any of you asked this question of God before? God, where are you? I ask that question more than I want to admit. God, where are you? Why can't I see you? Why can't I hear you? Where are you in my life? Jesus gives us a little bit of insight on where he often is. Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God, where are you? He says, I'm right here. I'm proximate to those who are poor, who are poor in spirit. I, can't, I don't have time to give you an inventory of the amount of scripture where the Lord depicts the fact that he is close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And he says, you want more of me? You want more of my presence in your life? Go among those who cry out in desperation, those who are poor and poor in spirit. And Rob kicked off that series that we're in right now. The least of these, you know, truly I tell you, says Jesus, when you give to those who are hungry or thirsty or in prison or strangers, when you reach out to those who need compassion, those who the world has said you're expendable, those who we have said, I just don't have time for you, you're going to find me. I'm right there. You're actually serving me. He even says, those who are naked and you gave them clothes. Can we just pause and say, Denver United, if you see anyone naked in public, that's a sign from God to offer clothes. Can we just commit to one another to do that right now going forward? Now, I think Jesus was literal when he said, hungry, thirsty, naked, stranger, in prison, etc. But I think it was more than just literal categories of people in need. He was saying, who are those in your lives for whom you can bless? who are crying out, again, that the world has said, I don't have enough for you, and we have said, in a sense, I don't have time for you. So categorically, couldn't we also imply not just the physically poor or the relationally poor, but even the spiritually poor? I mean, could we potentially extend this principle to say, yeah, Jesus, I was lost. I was craving meaning and purpose, and I felt empty in my life, and you showed up, and you showed me where to find living water. I was crushed under the weight of mental health challenges, anxiety ravaging my brain, and you showed me the way to find peace that passes understanding. I have only known conditional love, broken people giving and taking it away from me, and then you showed up in my life and showed me how to find the unconditional love of a good and heavenly Father who will never be taken away. These are the blessings that we can offer to those who are spiritually poor in and, in and among us. 
And today we're going to dive into a text, John chapter 4. We're going to be talking about sharing Jesus because I want to get really practical. And that's where this series is going to go. Jesus, how can we practically live out Matthew 25 to love the least of these? And we're going to look at sort of different principled categories. Today is how do we share Jesus with those who are spiritually poor and in need? And what better way to learn about sharing Jesus than studying how Jesus shared Jesus? He's kind of the expert at sharing Jesus, right? So John chapter 4 the woman at the well. Many of you know this text. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So when we talk about sharing Jesus, all the barriers start just pounding into our brain. Barrier number one is obviously, Jesus, I don't have the opportunity. I'm busy. I've got work. I've been open to you, Jesus, but you haven't put the opportunity in my life. Back to this text. It says Jesus had to go through Samaria. He did not have to go through Samaria. Any good Jewish teacher of the law at that time went around Samaria. The Samaritans to the Jews in this time were known as mudbloods of Hogwarts, right? They were like the mixed breeds. They took the pure Judaism, you know, monotheistic faith and, and combined it, conjoined it with sort of the Gentile beliefs of the day. They, they messed up the whole purity of knowing uh, the Lord through Judaism and they had all different kinds of customs. And of course, they built their own temple, Mount Gerizim. And then the Jews had their temple on the Temple of the Mountain. And this, this sort of fight was going on for 500 years in the time. And even though the Jews had a shorter path to go through Samaria to where they needed to get to. They always walked around. It was unclean. They hated the Samaritans. You didn't go through Samaria unless you absolutely had to. There was no other way. You had to choose to go through Samaria. The Samaritans even uh, tore down the Jewish temple of the mount. You see further in this text talking about the temple. And they scattered the bones of dead people all over the site of this temple to make it unclean so the Jews couldn't worship there. This was sort of incendiary friction towards one another. So Jesus said, no, I'm going to go into Samaria. God, I don't have an opportunity to share my faith. Jesus shows us the first example. You make it. You make the opportunity intentionally. How many of us have Samaria's in our lives that we go around. That neighbor had the wrong yard sign for the wrong candidate in their yard last election season. I'm going around them. Or I saw what they posted on social media. I'm going around that relationship. And, so, and let's get a little less combustible. We're just busy. And we say, I don't have the opportunities. Jesus says, you go into, you create intentionally, even in the face of difficulty and opportunity. Many of us, the difficulty is just we're busy. Right? I looked at my life at some point in time and with my wife, Sarah, and we realized we haven't been sharing Jesus a lot. And we're starting to feel that difference. And so we said, well, let's create an opportunity. Let's just not wait around for God to show up. He's already given us the command, go and make disciples of all nations. So we realized when we get home and we're tired, we like to hang out in the sort of like the back of our home. I know some of you have condos, apartments, dorms, whatever. We would sort of retreat to the secluded areas of our space and wonder why we didn't have any time to hang out with anybody. And we said, you know what, let's try to move from being sort of back deck neighbors to front porch people. 
What would happen if we did that? And we started, we literally pulled on the calendar like front porch night this Tuesday. And it took a little discipline and, and sometimes, you know, we made it, we, we made drinks and we sat out on the front porch. Sometimes we just brought the kids out and forced them to do yard work. That didn't last very long, so I did the yard work and all this. And slowly it started changing over time. And we started getting to know some of our neighbors. Why? Because we went into Samaria. We went where we knew we would find them. And we hung out. And sometimes it meant absolutely nothing. And over time, we started building little friendships with our neighbors and connecting. And we started creating space for them. So much so that our, we lived on Sydney Lane at this time. And this sounds weird. We created Sydney Lane Olympics with our neighbors, where we created all these silly little yard games. Every house had to have a silly little yard game and drinks and appetizers. And we did sort of a progressive eight-hour Saturday. None of us thought it was going to be eight hours, but we just loved it so much. This turned into a story of life change. I want you to see a picture of Carl and Jenny that I have here, who are my neighbors on Sydney Lane, that I got to baptize. We got one more photo of them. I got to know them because I was convicted that I wasn't creating space intentionally. And I started hanging out at the front of my house. And they trusted in Jesus over, over time as a result of silly little yard games. What could Christ do if you said, I'm not going to wait around anymore. I'm going to create an opportunity in my life. And I'm not going to let the issues of my day get in the way or the issues of our culture wars get in the way of me fulfilling the mission of Christ. I'm going to step into Samaria in this season of my life. Now what happens when we get this opportunity? There's, a, there's another barrier. We're like, I don't know what I would do if I had an opportunity to hang out with Carl and Jenny. Like, right, tell them how awesome you are, Jesus. I mean, how do I initiate an opportunity to share and make an invitation. Jesus says, again, John 4, verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. All right. We have a couple different, actually, lessons just in this very simple verse. Now, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. We don't exactly know what Jesus was thinking at this time. I mean, he is God. I know he can see into the future. Was he expecting the woman at the well to be there? Maybe we can assume he was. We can assume the woman was not expecting Jesus to be there. Why was she there in the middle of the day? Have any of you ever been to Arizona in July? When I first moved to Colorado, like none, I, I grew up in Illinois. No one went to Arizona. We always went to Florida for vacation. I came here in the summer, and I looked at the flights, and I told Sarah, there are $35 flights to Arizona from Denver in July. Let's get them. And we did. And I found out why no one goes to Arizona in July. It's the same reason why this woman, no women, no, no people went to the well in the middle of the day. It was the heat of the day. It was a sauna. You couldn't breathe. She did not want to be bullied and judged and condemned because she was broken. You'll find out later in the text, you know, she had uh, on her fifth husband and she'd been through divorces and she was the talk of the town. She was the gossip. She was the one no one wanted to be around. And she just was done. She didn't want to deal with it. And so she went when no one would be there. And surprise, Jesus was there. So was it a distraction? I mean, Jesus wanted to chill out, maybe. His disciples went in town to buy food. He said, nah, I don't want to do that. I'll just hang here by the well. I don't know. But here's what I know about a divine appointment. Write this down, please. Divine appointments always start 
as disruptions. Divine deployments always what? Let me hear it. Start as disruptions. Why? Because we're just living our normal lives every single day. So do we wake up every morning as followers of Jesus and say, Lord, disrupt me. I don't want to just get my tasks done for today. I want a divine appointment that is a disruption. I believe this is a disruption at this moment at the well. Now, I was uh, waiting in the hospital waiting room. My wife had gone skiing the one and only time she's ever been skiing in Colorado and finished that ski trip with a souvenir of needing ACL surgery and a free snowmobile trip down the mountain. Lucky her. And I was waiting in the waiting room. She was getting surgery. And the nurse came out and said, uh, is there a Craig in here whose wife is getting surgery for an ACL? And two guys, me and another guy, said, yeah, it's me. This other guy was named Craig. His wife was getting ACL surgery. And he was chatty. And I was uh, preparing a sermon to give that Sunday. It was like a Thursday. Now, pastors are very uncomfortable on Thursdays when they don't have their sermon ready for Sunday. Uh, Rob just wakes up on a Saturday morning and it just comes to him. He's very gifted, but not me. Like, I need to work at it. And I had these books and I was getting everything ready and I needed, I needed those, those minutes to get this done, right? I had to speak the word of God and teach people how to love others in Jesus' name. And here's Craig over here, chat, chat, chatty, getting in my way of my sermon prep. And so I did the very Christian thing to do. I prayed and I decided I'm going to walk away from Craig and I'm going to go to the hospital cafeteria and get a coffee by myself. <laughs> and I did. And I'm sitting there like, oh, thank you, Lord. I can get this wonderful sermon done and and who comes to the hospital cafeteria craig <laughs> and he comes and sits down with me and wants to talk and i said okay i get it a divine appointment is always a disruption how disruptible are you and i, I noticed he was wearing a wounded warriors t-shirt and i just said hey are you a wounded warrior and he said i'm not but let me tell you two tours in Iraq. I was on the front lines knocking on doors looking for explosive devices and half my team was around the corner and they are no more. And it's completely changed my life. We started talking about PTSD and, and do you know that that week I was about to get on stage and announce the launch of a community of support for military families in our church? Divine appointments are always disruptions, always Will you wake up every day this week and just say, Jesus, will you disrupt me? Will you disrupt me today? And can I have the patience to be willing to be disrupted? Maybe it's with a cashier at the grocery store. Maybe it's with a regular at the coffee shop that you go to when you're kind of in a rush to get out the door. Maybe it's with a coworker. Who knows? You want more of Jesus working through you? Let him disrupt your normal day. You want to see more of the supernatural? Let him step into the natural of your day. It's always a disruption. Now, again, we say, okay, if I've got this divine appointment, I've stepped in to create an opportunity. Again, I don't even know how I would begin this. Again, remember, Jesus says, will you give me a drink. Now, as Christians, don't we sometimes inadvertently think, I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm supposed to have the greenest grass in the neighborhood or the, all the tools in the, in the shed or all the answers or all the, whatever. We just think for, I don't understand why we think we're supposed to come to people 
to help them. Jesus gives dignity and often and shows her, I need your help. Do you know what that does in the context of relationship? To say, hey, can you help me? So I hit 40 a few years ago, and um, I'm just a few years past that right now. And I was feeling like this, might, this could be a kind of midlife crisis. I don't have enough money for a shiny red convertible, but maybe I can convince my wife to let me get a dirt bike. And she did, and I have a picture of it on my trip to Moab for my 40th birthday. That is me. Oh, yeah. Now, but before you think I'm ready for Red Bull sponsorship, photo editing is really helpful because this is a still shot of a video of me just about to totally lose the bike and break a bunch of pieces off of it. And anyway, but I think that's pretty cool. So I'm back in my garage and I'm trying to fix something. Actually, I'm trying to do a very simple task of changing the oil, which I have never changed the oil in my life on my own. And if you are a dirt bike owner, you're a complete poser. If you can't even change the oil on your bike. So I'm trying to figure this out. I get the socket wrench and I try and start, you know, bending the, breaking the bolt. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's sort of frozen on there. So I just give it everything I got. And any of you who are motorheads in here, you know, mistake number one. You don't give it everything you got, especially when lefty-loosey, righty-tighty applies, except when you're supposed to do it underneath and upside down. I was going righty-loosey, and I broke the bolt, and it starts spinning, 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 and spinning, and spinning. And it's a very expensive fix, my friends. It means drilling out a new sort of hole in the engine, and, and I'm like, oh, my Goodness. So pause on that. New neighbor moved into the neighborhood sometime before that. I had never had a chance to get to know them. And I'm in this season of my life. I'm like, God, I want an opportunity. And, and this was on Sydney Lane, too. And we're, like, we're really getting to know a lot of people here. And so Lexi, our little beagle, ran away that afternoon. Thank God she actually ran into that new neighbor's garage. So cool. The neighbor called the number called me over. I went and picked her up, and I walk into the most glorious motorcycle heaven garage you have ever seen. I mean, like three Ducatis being rebuilt, and he is just as mechanically gifted as you can ever imagine. And so I remember that night, the afternoon visit to the motorcycle heaven garage, and I walked over to my neighbor's house, and I said, hi, new neighbor. I'm the guy with the old meh, meh, dirt bike. You know, you've got the muscle bikes. And could you help me? You know, Jesus, will you give me a drink? I don't have this thing figured out. I mean, imagine if you walked over to your neighbors and said, I've noticed that your teenagers are fun and they're walking around with joy and connection. And I'm struggling parenting. Could you help me? What have you learned in that season? Or, you know, how do you get your lawn looking like that or you know I've noticed you you're like so gifted at, at getting up at six in the morning getting to the gym and I mean like you're you know rocking a healthy lifestyle could you help me I'm trying to figure this out I mean we put we can put ourselves in the place of need this is missionally what Jesus did so this buddy of mine Mason came over that week we spent three nights together fixing up this motorbike he saved me thousands of dollars thank you 
He really helped me. We started having barbecues together. This thing went from motorcycles to broken marriages to life with Jesus and all the way into a relationship. Why? Because I stepped in. I'm not making it about, about me. I actually really had a need. Jesus says, will you give me a drink? Try putting yourself in a place of need if you're trying to build a new friendship or can effectively share Jesus with another. It's powerful. All right. So, so far we've talked about if we don't have an opportunity to share Jesus, what do we do? We make them. We make them. We're capable of being intentional about this. We've talked about divine appointments are always disruptions. We've talked about when we have an opportunity, don't lead with your strength and your thoughts. Lead with your need and see what God can begin doing that. Now we're back to the text. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. You've, you've heard that before. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? You greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from himself as also did the sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And now I lost my place. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. When I was 18, I was living a fast and rebellious and empty life. And I cried out. I said, God, if you're real, would you show up? And a friend came to me and said, hey, you want to come to church? And that day, the pastor read this verse. If anyone wants living water and you come to me, you'll never thirst again. And I almost collapsed in my chair and I just, I'm so thirsty. Thank God someone showed me where to find living water. I am so empty. I am so desperate. Thank God. That was 25 years ago. And I've never run dry. And what did it take but for someone to take me to a place that they would hear where they can find living water? You have those people in your life. Maybe they're not showing it. Desperate for living water. All it takes is this simple invitation to where you can find living water. That's why Mari is leading this launch of Alpha. You're going to hear more about it. It's a conversation series designed for people who are longing for living water and they're just looking to everything and where to find it. they got all kinds of doubts, all kinds of questions, tired of judgments, just like this woman. They're not going to show up to a place where they're going to be bullied into faith or pushed away through condemnation. They want to hear where to find living water and they're in your life. And you get to invite them to this Alpha Opportunity. It's a conversation series about a film, about faith, and then a meal and a group where no question is out of bounds and they're going to hear living water. It's a simple invitation that you can make this week. People are crying out. Now, I think maybe one or two or three or four of you here today need to know where you can find living water, and it's in Jesus. And when we're done with the service today, I know there'll be some prayer team coming up, and we want to pray into this moment for you to receive living water. Back to the text. Verse 28. Then leaving the, the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever 
did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Another barrier about how do we share Jesus Effectively, we think, I am not as gifted as Pastor Lucy at speaking. Every time she speaks, it is perfect. And I'm saying that as a compliment. She is so gifted. She knows exactly just what to say and when to say it. I could never be as effective. So if Jesus gives me a divine opportunity, and I meet with my need, and then, that, and then it comes up for more truth, I'm going to botch this. I don't know the five ontological reasons why God exists. I don't know the ups and downs of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. I don't know the book of Leviticus memorized. There is no way I could do this work. And what does this woman do? Five divorces, potentially a prostitute, completely ostracized from her community. What does she do? Meet this guy who made a huge difference in my life. I was broken. I was lost. And now I'm found. What is the undeniable, powerful explanation that you have? Jesus has equipped you with right now. It's your story. That's all you need. You don't need anything more than to say to someone, I was broken and Jesus gave me help and healing and hope in him. And I want you to come hang out with a group of people for whom he's done the same. Will you do it? That's what you need. You are equipped. If you have a story in Jesus, you're equipped to share Jesus with people who are crying out for him. You don't have to have it perfectly all figured out. Share your story. Now, what does this imply? It also implies don't share the other secondary components of what you think the gospel may or may not be that aren't the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is not your political candidate of preference. The gospel of Jesus is not your opinion on how the civic leaders demand how we respond to a COVID pandemic or not. The gospel is not the details of nuanced theology through which there is disagreement across, you know, Christ-centered denominations. The gospel is Jesus Christ died, crucified, resurrected, can fill your heart now and forgive you for all eternity. That's the gospel. We stop there and we share our story about his transformation. If you find yourself arguing about pushing all these secondary issues, you could actually be pushing people away from the core, which is the gospel of Jesus. All this woman did was say, come see this guy. It's always just Jesus. Show people Jesus and what he's done in your life. Now, finally, I think, and this might be the bedrock reason why so many of us have stopped sharing Jesus. Look at me. Look at me. You think Jesus could really work through me? You know what ran through my head all last night and how much I doubted, Lord, and you know what I did two months. You, you can use me, Jesus. I mean, come on. Many of the Samaritans back in verse 39 from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of 
the world. Don't you ever let your brokenness put you on the bench. This woman was the very first missionary sent by Jesus. This woman has the impact and legacy greater potentially than Billy Graham. You name the name. She is now mentioned and talked about 2,000 years later. I don't know of a legacy of an evangelist more powerful than this woman. And what was she? Broken down and out, divorced five times, potentially a prostitute, hiding in the heat of the day from the, away from the community. Do not let your brokenness put you on the bench. If it has, it is from the voice of the enemy because Jesus wants to redeem your brokenness and redeem people through your brokenness. It's through your broken story that Jesus wants to show his power. Do you know that? Will you let him work through it? Will you let him build a divine disruption into your life? Will you share your story? Will you just shut down the voice that says, I'm too broken, I don't have the explanation, and let him work through your life? You have an opportunity to do that coming up soon with Alpha and with any other invitational chance. And I'm going to close with these final thoughts. 431. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I mean, where's he getting this, this nutrients? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his Work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Is your food, is your nourishment on a day-to-day -day basis the same of Jesus to share his love with those in spiritual need? He says, look at the harvest. It's ripe. Look at Denver, my friends. People are crying out, where can I find living water? Where can I find help for the anxiety? Where can I find love that will never leave me dry? Where can I find a community that will connect me? I'm so lost and lonely. Will you help me? Denver cries out. And Jesus says, if you want food for your soul, go and do my work by sharing my love. Share your story. Don't let your brokenness put you on the bench. God, I don't have any opportunities. Go and make them. He's empowered you. God, I don't know what to say. Just share your story. Wake up every day. Jesus, I want to be disrupted. Pastor Rob's going to come on up and close out the series right now, or the service. Can we, um, can we just pause for a moment? We're going to close in just a moment uh, and go on with our week. To do this um, with somebody co-laboring in the kingdom that you call a friend is an incredible joy for me. I hope that um, what you heard there, don't let your brokenness put you on the bench. Oh, I hope that sticks in your mind. That is the way the gospel. Just yesterday I was reading the, the Nikki Gumbel uh, Alpha Bible in a Year plan that many of us are going through. Did anyone read that one? Where uh, it was the guy with the hundred demons. And he wants to go with Jesus, and we're like, yeah, he probably needs a couple of years of intensive therapeutic discipleship. But no, Jesus said, go to the godless region you're from and tell him what I've done for you. Tell him what God's done for you. And um, our invitation is all the more compelling because of our brokenness. It's such a great way of Jesus that you highlighted this morning so brilliantly that he works 
through us while he's still working in us. And really, that's what Alpha is. It's an opportunity for God to work through us in our brokenness along the way. And we want to invite you to be a part of it. First, though, man, Craig, word aptly spoken, in season, true to God's word, worth honor. Can we just thank God for our brother, one of our own? So appreciate you. So appreciate your work. Here's what we're going to do first. Stand here, Mari. Let's just pray over Craig and Alpha. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you um, for the, the friend and the leader that you've put in our midst, in our lives. We bless him in the work you've entrusted to him, the work of Alpha in Denver and in the U.S. Lord Jesus, the world says that we are a post-Christian nation and there's nothing you can do about it. And we believe the report of the Lord. We thank you for men and women like Craig and Alpha who stand up and say, Jesus is far from through with this city and with this nation. And we bless their work. We thank Thank you for his investing uh, in the midst of, of that scope and purview of ministry in, in our church family. We bless him and his family back for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Alpha is one of the most significant things that we do as a church. It's starting in three weeks. Mari's directing it, giving so much thought, led our team in prayer, and we want to invite you into that process. Ian Bounds hundred years ago wrote, if you have prayed well, you have prepared well. We can do the best job of preparing the food and the videos and all that, but if we haven't invited God to draw people to Jesus, uh, then it's all for nothing. Sorry. Okay, there we go. Uh, so starting three weeks from this coming Tuesday, um, it's going to be in Tuesday evenings at 630 right here um, at the church um, starting March 6th. Um, we'll be hosting our um, next Alpha course. Um, it's like a 12-week series, uh, film series, centered around really good food. Yes, we provide dinner. Um, an amazing Netflix quality, incredible film series, and a meaningful conversation. Um, so on the back of your seat in front of you, if you look, there's a little um, prayer campaign that we are doing for the next three weeks. And we want to invite everyone here in the church to be a part of this. And really, it's just to start intentionally praying about everything Craig just talked about. Who is the neighbor um, in, on your street who you've had a conversation with? Who is the person in your work space, um, in your gym, wherever it is that you've had some meaningful conversations that just might come if you invited them. And so on the back, you'll see there's um, three spots um, that we're just going to pray for. You're going to start praying intentionally for the next three weeks. Who is someone, who are three people that I can pray for and invite um, to this course? This is um, a course that is for people who have doubts, who have questions, who really don't believe, who don't think the same way as we do. So it's a place to invite someone. It's not the place that we show up and say, oh yeah, I know the answer to that. It's not really a discipleship course if that's what you're looking for. It's really a space where you can bring someone who wouldn't come to church, but is wondering what's, what's faith all about. I'm looking for meaning in this life, but I don't really wanna think I'm gonna come into a church, but they would come to a conversation. And that's really what it is. It's a meaning, meaningful conversation around incredible films. And we really want you to be a part of it. So we're gonna be praying for the next three weeks. Um, take one of these cards and start thinking about who you can invite. Yeah, so write them on the, the names on those cards. You can stick it in your Bible or wherever you um, will see it each day. Put it on your mirror as you get brushing your teeth and just say a prayer. God, draw them to yourself. That's how you pray. 
God drum to yourself. It's not your many words. You don't have to know the exact theological nuance of how God's going to make it happen. It's your faith. God, I believe for this person to come to life and hope in Jesus. I want to um, just underscore what Mari said. It's a place that's safe for people to ask questions. You know, very often, the very questions that people have who are in the post-Christian world around us have to do with God, the meaning of life, their purpose in the cosmos. Uh, but church is the last place they feel safe to ask it. It's everything you always wanted to know about God but were afraid to ask. Or church told you you'd get struck by lightning if you, if you pretended like you didn't know. So people go on pretending like they don't know or they talk about it with their buddy at a bar. We want to invite people to a place where they're dignified, where they're at. Jesus meets people like the woman at the well, where they're at, and where they're safe to bring their questions, their doubts. I love the Alpha experience. I went through it for the first time last year. Some of you have been through it a couple of times with someone. And, you know, someone could say, like, I, I think God's a, you know, a, a three-headed unicorn. And you're, you're, everything in your Christian Sunday school self wants to go, that's ridiculous. There is three, but it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an eternal triune fellowship. And you need to be saved by God through Jesus, drawn by the Holy Spirit. That's not what people are looking for, and that's not how Alpha works. The response is more like, that's interesting. I'd like to hear more about that. Who else has a, an experience or an impression of God? It's a place where people are safe to be where they're at. And in that environment of authenticity and love, it's amazing how when we let ourselves not have to be quite as much, Jesus is more. And he said, if you lift me up, I'll draw people to myself. Yeah. So when those people come to mind and you're ready to invite someone, all you're going to do is send them to our website at denverunited.com. Right on our main homepage, you'll see Alpha, and there they can register. Um, you'll want to um, register with them as their, as their friend. Um, is that right, Craig? They put their names down as well. So you can get everything there, just a little form you'll fill out. Um, so you just send them straight to the website. There's also a video there, so in case they're like, what exactly it is, you can just email that link on um, our homepage, and they can check it out. So, yeah. One of the things Brian, our leader um, from the last Alpha Go-Round, told me is he said, hey, if you invite someone, hey, you want to come to a 12-week discussion series that might seem a little bit um, inaccessible, I'd say, would you come to the first week with me? watch the video, have the conversation, share a good meal. You got to eat, right? Talk about some of the things in your mind, and then we'll figure it out from there. So that starts on March the 8th. Please join with us in praying for who the Lord would have you invite. I've invited three people. I'm in this with you. Um, I look forward to the opportunity uh, just to see Jesus be more through our faithfulness. We don't have to have all the answers or do the work. Jesus said, you lift me up. I'll draw people to myself. Hey, tonight, you want to stand with us? It's time to go. We're just going to pray a blessing over you. Tonight, 5 o'clock, is our community dinner and worship night. Uh, it's just a time for us to get to know one another, grow in life together, share some of our story, and, and uh, start making friends again. And then we'll worship together, experience God's presence, the Holy Spirit's work, and then uh, get, get the week kicked off right. Uh, Mar, you want to pray a blessing over us as we go? God, thank you so much for this message this morning. God, thank you for the cup of cool water that you offer us, God, that it's everything. It's everything we need, everything we're looking for, Jesus. And God, put on our hearts this week those, God, you're going to lead to this course. And God, I pray you bless our friends, God, and help us to walk in your strength this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you all. Have an amazing week. We'll see you tonight, 5 o'clock. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged this week by God's Word. For more information about our church, events, or to simply submit a prayer request, visit us online at denverunited.com.